What the Dog Saw, a podcast where we analyze the FX series American Crime Story, The People vs. O.J. Simpson. I'm Lorena Mora, and I'm joined by my co-host, Neil McNeil. And today we're diving right into episode 7. This is the Conspiracy Theories episode that I have been waiting for since the beginning, and I'm so... You know, I'm like, I'm happy that it happened, and I'm also a little disappointed with it. I was hoping we would get more alternative theories. I had a feeling that you were going to be a little disappointed just because I know you're a conspiracy theory fan. And earlier in this season, um, we actually had one of our listeners write in asking us about a really specific theory that I looked into and was interested by. And it never came up. I mean, I think we got like only, what, two possible theories, one of it, one of which was what probably actually happened. Yeah, we only got two alter or yeah, two alternatives in this episode, but there's so many different ways that this case could have been looked at and they just they I, I understand that it's a short season and they can't dive into everything, but I would have loved to have heard more about this conspiracy theory in particular. Lorena, you said you were doing some research on it earlier? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um yeah, let's just get it out of the way first. Um the the theory that was brought to us uh, when we first started this series was um surrounding a man named Glenn Rogers and I I love a good conspiracy theory but I always take them with a grain of salt and mm. this one I just I have no I put no faith in it at all um Glenn Rogers is a serial killer uh I actually did not know too much about him before this mm-hmm. but he kind of seemed off the rails you know like he came forward Um, in conjunction with this documentary that his brother made called My Brother the Serial Killer, in which um, Glenn Rogers confesses to the murder of both Ron Goldman and Nicole Brown. But at the same time, Nicole... Sorry, excuse me. Glenn is also claiming that he murdered around 70 people, and that's not confirmed. So we don't have identification for all 70 people. No, this guy was already in jail. It seems that he was in jail for a murder in Tampa. And Mm -hmm. he had murdered someone in Los Angeles. And the suspicion is he may have killed 10 other women. But um, he's just one of those, like, you know, the type of serial killer that brags about his kills where it's it's really unconfirmed. I think a similar theory kind of popped up um, surrounding making a murderer. That was Mm -hmm. a really ridiculous theory, actually, that I read about making a murderer was that one man was simultaneously the murderer of Teresa Hallback, but then also maybe the Zodiac killer, but also maybe killed someone else. And I just don't, I don't Wasn't take the same guy seriously. that they thought murdered JonBenet Ramsey too? Yeah, that theory was absolutely just, it was a crockpot. I was like, there's nothing here. There's no way. There, again, like harking back to serial, like you're just not that lucky. You're not going to get a psychopath who is like crossing decades state lines a part of high profile cases it's just not possible ted cruz is not the zodiac killer but with an episode titled conspiracy theories i was hoping for some sort of out of left field alternative that could have been presented in such a way not necessarily like as a through line for the entire episode but i wanted someone to pull out something completely ballistic and i'm so disappointed that they didn't even touch on glenn rogers it wasn't Glenn Rogers, and it also wasn't Jason Simpson, which I know you have also brought up before. I've had my suspicions about Jason, and I really did think this show was going to incorporate that somehow, especially with Jason being introduced early on as a character. Mm-hmm. And they just, they haven't even presented that as an alternative. 
And then there's also the conspiracy theory, which was brought up in this episode about uh, drug related um, issues and that Nicole owed um, some drug dealers a bunch of money. And according to F. Lee Bailey, it was a case of mistaken identity at the time um, on Ron Goldman's end, at least that when he was returning the glasses, there were there was someone hired to kill Nicole and just happened to kill Ron at the same time. We might be getting ahead of ourselves, but I feel like uh, there's a really great scene where Marsha is very sarcastic and she's like, oh, really? There are drug dealers <laughs> out in Los Angeles targeting Faye Resnick and killing her best friend over cocaine. <laughs> it was a, such a great moment for me. And yeah, mm. that, F, that F. Lee Bailey conspiracy is pretty wild. It's like a 20,000 word essay that he published on his own website, Bailey and Elliot Consulting. Um, it's three PDFs. I'm going to take a, a little glass of wine and maybe read that later. <laughs> but that doesn't even come up in this episode. Do you want to dive into this episode? Yeah, so this episode starts off with Gil and Bob Shapiro going into the courtroom simultaneously and having this um, really tense exchange with each other where um, Gil, Gil knows that Bob is an awful person. He's calling him out on it straight to his face and even tells him at one point to enjoy his legacy. Like, that in and of itself is such a burn on so many levels because Bob is doing the best that he can to get OJ off, even though they've all started to have their suspicions about whether or not he did it. I'm really glad that we have the ensemble back. You know, I think it was great of them to kind of dive into certain characters like Cochrane and, and Marsha, but I think the heart of this and what draws me to it is the ensemble. And that was like the mm -hmm. first note I made was that I was glad to have the ensemble back. And you're right. I was glad to see Bob Shapiro back in action. And he, he had some really intense moments in this episode for me. And, and Bob was also wearing an LAPD solidarity pin. Yeah. That was a little odd. We also got the return of Dershowitz remember mm -hmm. him he yep. was interestingly teaching at harvard and just kind of live watching this and teaching it to his students and it was, was very how to get away with murder was it <laughs> it um, felt no it actually it felt like um serial when sarah brings in that um the lawyer and her team the to innocence try to, project like, present alternative theories yeah yeah and dershowitz faxes over a possible theory <laughs> that's like that is the early, early stages of being able to, like, tweet out conspiracy theories about TV shows, faxing someone a theory in a live court case. Let me slide into your DMs with a possible alternate theory. <laughs> that is a brilliant way to put it. And we see the courtroom um, kind of devolve at the mention of this possibility, because up until this point, um, OJ's team hasn't presented a compelling alternative. They've just presented, they've been knocking down all the evidence that been, that's been thrown at them, but they haven't said, okay, but what if? Dershowitz is very smart, and you're going to you're gonna not like this. This is me kind of siding with the dream team again. Again, it's, you're back at it. It's all about how to lie, how to get your way, and that's how you get away with murder, is you present possible theories and you basically speak your truth your version of the truth what dershowitz says exactly is if there's going to be a media circus you have to be the ringleader you have to be the one guiding this media frenzy around a case because it's solely up to you to get your client off and if you're spearheading all this craziness that's going on in the courtroom you have a better chance of getting your client off 
I mean, and it kind of hints to maybe these lawyers don't necessarily believe that their client is innocent, but they mm-hmm. need to win right now. Yeah, absolutely. And this also goes back to the whole um, birth of reality television, where there's um, where culture and media, as Joshua says, they want an entertaining narrative. They don't just want to see a court case play out. They want a narrative that they can attach themselves to and see through to the end. Mm-hmm. And presenting this compelling alternative allows them to attach a little bit more. You have to tell a story. You have to tell a story. Somebody who is telling it as it is was Marsha Clark when she finally settles on a hairdo. I'm happy for her. Good for her. Good for her. She looks She looks great. Which that is the last time I will say anything about the way that Marsha Clark looks throughout this entire case. And she wants none of it when anyone says anything about her new hairstyle. Uh, She says, please don't ever mention my hair again. Ever. (laughs) Slays the courtroom. So anyway, so Dershowitz presents this this quote-unquote narrative that doesn't involve your client. He places the blame on um, possible drug dealers. And he brings up, um, excuse me, Cochran brings up, do you know what a Colombian necktie is? And insinuates that this is exactly what happened to Nicole. Now, I want to, like, pump the brakes here. Because I'm Colombian. That's my Spanish. Um, (laughs) I don't know a lot about drug murders. But, um... Really? (laughs) Really. A Colombian necktie, um... It's a bit more gruesome than what happened here. Can you explain? A Colombian necktie, as it was explained to me, la corbata, is when, yes, your throat gets slashed to the point where you're almost decapitated, but the reason it's called a necktie is because your murderer reaches into your throat, grabs your tongue, and Mm. laces it through your gashing neck wound. And there's your necktie. I and that like didn't that. happen here. That didn't happen here. Like, what happened here was a crime of passion, appropriately on the Ides of March, of a betrayal, a literal stabbing. So what you're saying is this theory should not have held up in court. I, it's just a little far-fetched. I mean, it did bring in the whole idea that Metzaluna, the restaurant where Nicole was on the night of her murder, um, was the backing of a drug ring. That was Marsha's sarcasm, which we we talked about Metzaluna last week and how it's now a Pete's coffee and tea and how Marsha described it as a B-rate Brentwood eatery. <laughs> Such imagery here. I, I understand. I get it that there's not, like, the likelihood of your favorite restaurant being the front for a drug ring as many times as I've thought this is not possible. It's just not going to happen. You're just not that lucky. We are just not that lucky. Uh, And Marsha's team is trying to rally against the whole razzle-dazzle of the Dream Team's defense here. And we see, like, a really intimate moment between uh, Darden and Marsha, which is kind of leading into this whole episode. And we see, throughout the episode, the rise and fall of this ship. We see the sinking of this ship. But this, this episode, we see it starts off with the ship going out to sea. Yes. Like, I want them to be together. And they clearly want it to happen, too. I shipped them. You know who else I ship? I will go down with this ship. You know who else I ship, though? Who? Rob Kardashian being back. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> you know, you've opened a can of worms here. I love <laughs> Rob. I'm not saying that David Schwimmer should win an Emmy or anything, but I love Rob Kardashian. And I'm glad that you went there because... I mean, there's that moment where Rob is just, like, having an implosion where he's so unsure and he's like, why hasn't there been an alternate theory? Why is OJ the only suspect? Oh, my God, did my best friend kill his wife? It's something that should have been thought about way earlier in this case. This freakout should have been happening, like, day three. It's like, if you can't think who could have possibly killed her other than her ex-husband, who else is there? This is his best friend, though, and I think everyone's kind of in a state of shock, and Rob is in a position, a very difficult position, to protect his best friend. You know, I think he's kind of going through all of those stages of grief, shock, denial. He's maybe, like, bargaining right now where he's just like, uh, maybe OJ did it? He's he's having that breaking point of, up until this point, I've stuck by my guns and stuck by my best friend, but now I'm starting to think... Shit, I chose the wrong team. He, again, he's such a difficult position to be in, and I feel like, like you know, who else is, is, is crazy right now? It's Cochran. Cochran is starting to face his past with not one but two ex-wives on television dishing oh about Oh my god. Him. Barbara and Patricia on TV going at it and laying it into him? Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy this happened. It's just like a continuous Pandora's box. Like everybody's skeletons are falling out of the closet. It's just a mess. And we see we see uh, Cochrane really start to panic at this. Yeah, he knows. He, he knows that this is not what needs to be happening. He's being dragged out for the public to boo on as well. Yeah, and he honestly deserves it at this point. I know. I like we saw him trying to bribe his ex-wife in the last episode with property in order for her to keep quiet on all of this. But we kind of get the sense that a lot more was going on because he led this double life. Um, This is actually a really interesting episode because not only are we getting conspiracy theories, but we're getting the most infamous piece of evidence. And really, at this point, the only piece of evidence in this trial. Mm hmm. And that is the gloves. Yeah, we see we see them going through Nicole's uh, belongings in Denise's garage. And we actually get a really um, kind of out of nowhere like moment with uh, Nicole and OJ's daughter and son, played by mm-hmm. Asia, my favorite from Dance Moms. I'm so glad she finally has a line in this damn show. <laughs> where she asks if they're looking to catch the man who killed his mommy and get their daddy off. Um, sweetie, about that. (laughs) I hope you grow up to understand that sometimes people do bad things. It doesn't mean that you're going to be a bad person, but maybe your parents weren't the best. That was a very human moment for me, and it kind of reminds you that there are children Mm -hmm. involved in this, and it's really bad. My note on this um... was, this is some acting. (laughs) You are acting. You are great. You are earning your paycheck. Um, The gloves are pretty important, and I love how they really dragged out the receipts, literally. Literally pulling out the receipts. Let me see the receipts. Nicole bought two pairs of isotoner gloves, and they were so specific about how many had been manufactured in the size, 
what department stores carried these, how many were sold, and how many Nicole bought. And it just narrows it down. You think that this is a home run for for Marsha and Darden, but I feel like the gloves are eventually going to be their downfall as well. They absolutely are. The gloves kind of backfire, actually, as we'll see later in the episode. Which is kind of sad because this is like, when Marsha gets this evidence, she is having this natural high of, oh my god, we have it. We have the proof that not only did OJ do it, but he had access to these gloves. And it's just, it's so, it's so sad to watch. And right after we kind of come back to both Rob and AC and they're hesitating uh, over the suitcase, um, the weapon could be in here. Anything could be in here, any slice of evidence. And this, again, kind of like hit the nail on the head for me. Like, I love Rob. Rob has a ton of doubt. And he was like, I keep going over everything in my mind. He mentions the saturation of information. He mentions knowing so much more about Nicole and Ron than he could ever know. And that there was no other answer. And that's when he opens the suitcase and there's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing. There was this big dramatic buildup of we're about to find something huge and there's just nothing in there. But I don't know. This scene really played out for me as Rob understanding that this could very well be a possibility. Because I think up until this point, he wanted to admit, or he didn't want to admit, that there was any shred of doubt in his mind that OJ did not do this. And Mm -hmm. this is him saying, crap, I think he could have. And it kind of reminded me, I think we spoke about this last week, about the glove, not the glove, the knife that they recently found Mm -hmm. on the property and how no DNA on it it's too small, it wouldn't make the the same type of wounds, and there's nothing, there's absolutely no other evidence, and as we'll later see in this episode, the gloves don't even fit. The gloves do not fit, so you must acquit! Infamous. Infamous. I want to go back, actually, um, before all this happened with the big reveal with uh, AC and Rob in the bag, we see Johnny after his uh, ex-wife and ex-mistress come out of the woodwork he's being hounded by the media on his way into court um Mm -hmm. and it's just it's it's kind of seeing the tables turned on him in a way because in the last episode we saw Marsha getting it from the media from all angles whether it be about her family life or about even just her style choices and now we're really seeing the dream team kind of getting this treatment and Johnny is starting to understand the um not the not the implications that's the wrong word but he's understanding that this is not the way that you should go about handling a court case of this size. Like, this, the whole media frenzy around it is affecting them directly. I think it was two episodes back that we both had wondered how long this case had gone on. And I recently learned January through October of Mm -hmm. 1995. So that's almost an entire year where everyone's life is being, like, way too exposed yeah and this is again this is before the days of social media before the internet and people are still obsessed with this case we also get a really um another tender scene between marcia and darden where they decide that they're gonna go up to oakland together because darden is visiting one of his old friends for a birthday party and marcia decides she really does need a vacation she says hell yes yes this weekend count me in God, Marsha. Yeah, it's, it's so convenient. You don't have the kids. You can just do whatever you want, do whoever you want. You're going to go up to Oakland and get drunk and possibly finally blow this man. 
No, before we get into that, um, I thought this was a really well-written way to propose Marsha's, um, Marsha's disbelief at what the defense wants the theory to be, which is that Furman found the glove, took it, planted it, got everyone's blood together, put it in the appropriate spaces. Just the way that she's presenting it, I'd it love, sounds ludicrous. I love that scene when she is presenting it to Darden's friends in the bar and using the shot yes. glasses to kind of display how things could have laid out. And we got a taste of what I had been hoping for this entire season where we get to see um, slight flashback reenactments. Uh, granted, yes. I really wanted a reenactment of the actual staged murder, but I feel like that might be a little too morbid for this show's taste. But we do get um, a little bit of the possibility of the police going about and planning this evidence. And Marsha, like you said, presents it in such a way that makes it seem absolutely ludicrous and couldn't have even happened given the time frame. I, all I could think of in the scene is how many times we've run into high profile cases, how many times theories have been come up and they're just not plausible, you know? Mm -hmm. um, this one, implausible. I feel like with making a murderer with the key specifically, that's a little fishy. Mm -hmm. That's the only theory presented to me where I'm like, that's a little weird. But here, and you and I, now that we've driven to both of these locations, it's just... <laughs> I, I said this to Neil um, right as I was watching this show, that now that we've been to these locations, the whole thing seems surreal to me. Because now that we know, like, oh, it actually takes this much time to get from this location to this location, and to be a police officer and have to think that quickly, I just feel like police officers, as corrupt as individuals they may be, they're just not that fast of thinker to be, like, oh, let me plant this evidence and totally throw this case. Unless they had been plotting this for months and had everything down to an exact science, the probability that they discovered this murder scene and figured that they could pin it on OJ, it's not possible. Like we're saying, they present these places, these two locations, both the Rockingham Mansion and the Bundy condo, they present them as if they were, you know, within like a five-minute walk of each other, when really it's about an eight to 10 minute drive, depending on traffic lights, depending on traffic, depending on stop signs, depending on what route you take, it takes a while to get from one location to the other. And when mm -hmm. Marsha explains it, they would have had to have gone back and forth and back and forth to recollect this evidence, plant it, get the blood that they didn't initially have, and then keep doing this and putting it on the Bronco. It just does not make sense. No one's that fast of a thinker. It's just so, it's just not plausible. It's absolutely not plausible. Um, going... And then, oh, sorry. Oh, what were you going to say? Well, then I was going to bring up that my ship sank. Oh, yeah. No, I was going to bring up Johnny's wife before that. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. And then after this, um, and then throughout all of this, we're also seeing uh, Johnny and his wife um, having this kind of fight, I want to call it, or this lover's tiff where... Johnny's life being presented to the media in such a way and being out there for everyone to see, she knew about this. She knew about the ex-wife. She knew about the mistress. But as she says, none of her family did. And that's the danger of reality television is that even if someone you know, like if, if, if I had a boyfriend and he knew about all of my deep, dark, dirty secrets and I put them on display for a reality show, what would happen if he hadn't told any of his close friends or family about my deep, dark, dirty secrets? Not that I have any of this proportion. Um, 
it's almost embarrassing. And it kind of is potentially life-ruining, even if you had already gotten past it. I, just based on this topic alone, I feel like that's something you might want to share with people, you know? Yeah, like something to be like, hey, like, I'm getting with this person and also here's X, Y, and Z about them. I mean, if if I'm going to get on a soapbox here, hey, don't be with that person. They have a history of violence, well, you know? True. It's like, if anyone were to hook up with Chris Brown, what's the first thing people say is, he's a wife beater. Like, mm-hmm. it's a given. And yeah, she's mad because now their lives are being exposed. But at the same time, like, you knew. You yeah. knew. She knew. And Johnny even presented in a way to her uh, as if Marsh and her team were the ones who dragged this all out. And her response is very poignant to this entire episode. It's, there is no conspiracy. You just cannot fix this. Because at the end of the day, Mm. no matter what happens, even if you have your thoughts and ideas and convictions about how this all came about, it still happened. And there's nothing Mm -hmm. you can do to fix it. So you just have to kind of move on with your life and accept that it happened and just keep swimming. We also get um, a secret meeting between Bob Shapiro and Rob Kardashian. Um, This is right before the scene, uh, so we kind of jumped the gun a little bit. But Bob is kind of the one who still wants the plea deal. Bob still does not want to take this fully to trial. And he wants Rob to convince OJ once again to just take a settlement. Just go to jail for a little bit of time and then come out a few years later and all of this will be forgotten, hopefully at least. And Rob doesn't really want anything to do with it. But this is the moment that causes him to have that initial breakdown of, oh shit, maybe I do have something in my possession that could be of substance in this case. And could lead to a conviction or an innocent ruling. So I feel like Rob, Rob, as much as I love him, Bob Shapiro is playing his strings right now. Bob Shapiro is trying to be the puppet master that he so wants to be but hasn't been able to be because he was taken off as the lead of this case well i think now that you're saying this i think that that this episode did a really good job of showing rob's fear rob's doubt but Mm -hmm. now that you've said it like this i feel that maybe robert is showing us his fear in a different way okay where he doesn't want to flat out panic have a breakdown he just is calm cool and collected he's playing his cards right he's wearing the lapd pin not to piss everyone off and he's offering the settlement because he has his doubts about his client and he says you know what the best thing for every party would be if oj just went to jail quietly did some time came out the entire mess is over Mm mm-hmm And we also see Bob in jail later on in the episode with OJ. Mm -hmm. And OJ is so suspicious of Bob's intentions. He does not think, he knows at this point, that Bob thinks he might have done it. And he's getting angry. Oh yeah, because he believes in Cochran. He He believes that Cochran's going to get him off. Well, it's not even that he believes that Cochran's going to get him off. He still, uh, or at least it seems, he still believes that he is completely innocent of any wrongdoing. Even if he does, if, if he ends up being the one who killed these two people and he knows it he still thinks he was in the right and he does not want bob to see him that way 
he even has that line when they're all kind of gathering around and talking about the gloves. Mm-hmm. Um, they bring up the gloves separately. I don't think they know that LAPD is going to bring up the gloves at all. But OJ says, put me in, coach. Like, this is a literal game to him, and he is going to perform the best that he can. Speaking of that, he also calls out Bob for his shitty behavior by saying, I don't want to hear no bullshit in the third quarter. (laughs) (laughs) He is just pulling out the references. It's like, OJ, we get it. You played football. But no, you're right. This is a game to him, and he wants to win. I, I One of my notes for this scene, it really becomes clear that this episode is not just the people versus O.J. Simpson. It's literally everyone versus everyone. Everyone oh, yeah, it's a has world. problems with each other, even Marsha and Darden after their night out. Okay, so remember how I said I shipped it? Yep. I wrote, I ship it, wait, I'm covering my eyes. Because <laughs> that tension was so unbelievably awkward. Like, if I were ever in that situation, Mm -hmm. I would just, like, want to melt into the floor and just, like, (laughs) die. My my notes for this scene are, OMG, I hope they fuck, and then two bullet points, one being, KISS, 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 in all caps, and the second one is, that sexual tension, though. I was cringing. (laughs) I was just like, can one of you please move? Can one of you, like, blink an eye, like someone do something and it just it was a tension that lasted way too long maybe a half second too long and Mm -hmm. then it finally ended with no fanfare uh it was the most disappointing will they won't they of all of history and all of television because i wanted it to happen i i ended up becoming a shipper what would their i think it was a nice (laughs) i think oh uh maybe it would be like dark Darsha. Darsha, Darsha, Darsha. <laughs> I feel like it was a nice way to acknowledge what their close relationship was. And according think, to Marsha. Closer than according lovers. According to Marsha. Um, but it was a nice way to not completely dramatize the events. These are two, two still very professional people. And what this tension does is really sets up what happens next in the courtroom when Darden wants to bring up the gloves and Marsha doesn't. Ooh, yeah. This is kind of... This is... This... The whole sexual tension and the whole almost rejection of the idea that they're going to be together, I think, at least from what this series is trying to tell us, is what drove Darden to want to present the glove. Do you think he wants to impress her? No, I think he's pissed about how she's treating him now. Because she's pissed that he didn't go for it. We even get that moment um, when we're first introduced to them back in the in the work environment where Darden goes up to her and says let's just go for it and like there's almost this flicker of like hope in her eye of like oh my god we're gonna be together like this weekend was just a fluke and then he follows it up by saying oh we should get OJ to try the glove on on stand and then her mind is just like you know what since you presented this to me no like I do not want this because you did not do that one thing with my thingy thing that I wanted you to um, I really like how this scene was written. It was like kind of like that dialogue that like I wish existed in real life, but clearly doesn't. Uh, she mentions that the whole scenario is like playing blackjack, and he wants the dealer to deal him another card, but he knows that mm-hmm. he has an ace. He yeah, knows that but this he is doesn't. his ace. You can never know if you have an ace unless you're Superman and have X-ray vision. You don't know, or you count cards. That's true. 
Um, so the gloves, the gloves moment happens, but the gloves backfire. Because Shapiro wants it to happen too, because he's trying on the gloves and realizes, wait, these don't fit me. How could they possibly fit OJ? Um, that was a weird point for me where I was like, why are you touching the gloves without any medical gloves on? Everyone can see what you're doing. What are Shapiro's you doing? Because a dumbass. Because he's awful. I, um, so the, the scene with the gloves happened, and I think this is probably one of the most famous, if not the most famous, image of this case is OJ with his hands mm. up. And the gloves yep. do not fit. They do not fit. They got what they wanted. But I, and Darden brought this up too, he had those medical gloves on underneath. He did. He did. You know? And those things, have you ever tried on medical gloves? They are not forgiving. Like, you would not be able to do anything with them because of the weird texture and what have you. It just, it doesn't make sense they would make that. I understand. They should have just gotten a duplicate pair of isotoners. I also... Why did they not get a duplicate pair? I also thought about, and I don't know what what side this might swing for. Um, what if Nicole had bought these gloves for OJ and they didn't fit in the first place, but he used them in this murder? I mean, there's that moment when he tries on the glove and it's like, ooh, like, I can't even make a fist. I can't even grip this marker. But, like, he clearly can do things in it. He can. And, I mean, if you're going to stab someone, you just have to hold a knife. If you yeah. If you are wearing gloves so that your fingerprints aren't all over a knife, those gloves don't necessarily have to fit. They just have to cover your fingers. Yeah. So they don't even take that into consideration with all of this. It's such speculation. It's a little wild. I get it. But hello. Hello. No, but this is a heartbreaking moment for everyone in the courtroom, at least everyone on Marsha's side. The Dream Team is celebrating. They are, and I, I, we totally skipped over this part. It was Bailey that planted that idea in Darden after Darden mm-hmm. had kind of been shot down by Marsha. But Bailey was very much like, I want them to bring up the gloves so that I can have this winning moment. Because he wants to be the puppet master. Everyone wants to be the puppet master in this case. It's a lot of male ego here, and that makes me root for Marsha all the more. And, like, even even with Darden, I wrote, Darden, you are a fucking dick in this moment because Marsha was telling you not to do the thing that you did, not to do the very thing that you decided that you just had to do because she had faith in the process and you did not have faith in her. Um, so, I mean, that was it. That was probably one of the more famous parts of this trial. But you know what I was thinking throughout this whole thing? What's that? The ensemble's back. But where is Kato Kalin? Kato, where are you? Are we going to get to see his testimony? We have three episodes left in this season. Three episodes to cover the rest of the trial. I want to see this star witness. My big thing is that I always thought that this came very late in the game in the trial. I thought it was one of the uh, final moments. And I thought it was going to be one of like the climactic moments. So I'm excited to see what they do with the remaining three episodes. Mm -hmm. We get... We get Johnny and Bob coming together in a fist pound moment over this supposed victory in the courtroom this day. Like, what else is coming? What other shocking moments are we in store for for the rest of this series? I don't know. I don't know. And and honestly, I, w- I was speaking with my friend who had also been to the OJ house. Um, 
and he agreed with me when I said, you know, what would be a really dramatic home run is if they wildly speculated how that night actually went and dramatized it for us. I am so hoping that happens. For Ryan, because even Darden sorry. says, even Darden says, it's not over. For a Ryan Murphy series, there's not been a lot of blood. And yeah, weird. I expect more. And now it's time for the links and sources portion of our podcast, where we provide you with any extra reading material, viewing material, listening material, anything that we feel would benefit the viewing process of Episode 7, Conspiracy Theories. Lorena, what do you have for us? So this week, um, I touched upon the Glenn Rogers Conspiracy Theory. That Mm -hmm. came from a Huffington Post, HuffPo Crime article from 2012 about the TV documentary, My Brother, the Serial Killer. Okay. And um, mentioned, but not thoroughly investigated yet, is the essay on F. Lee Bailey's website, The Simpson Verdict, where he proposes an alternate theory. Okay. Um, I will definitely get into that and report back next week. Okay, and I'm also going to leave a link to a talk show appearance that Barbara, Johnny's ex-wife, made regarding her ex-husband and calls the marriage a living hell. It's only a 30-second clip. I don't know exactly what show it's from, but it's on YouTube, and I think it's incredibly relevant to all of this, everything in this case right now. And now it's time for the part of the show where we share our favorite moments and our not-so-favorite moments. It's time for Gloves Up, Gloves Down. As a reminder, Gloves Up is, we love this, this was a great part of the episode, give us more. And a Gloves Down is, mm, you tried. Neil, what was your Gloves Up moment? My Gloves Up moment would have to be the flashback scenes. Uh, specifically, Marsha in the bar presenting this uh, alternative theory to Darden's friends and trying to disprove the fact that one of Darden's friends thinks that OJ is being framed. And Marsha's like, hold, 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 hold up. This is why it could not be a possibility. And let me show you. And we also get flashes of Furman and his team um, allegedly planning the evidence. But it's great to see that all play out on screen. I'm also going to give an honorary gloves up to the mention of Frogman. The TV series <laughs> that OJ was working on at the time, which I didn't really know a lot about until this episode, where apparently he was getting a lot of Navy SEAL training for the show. So people speculate that maybe that would have helped him figure out how to kill people in a more productive manner. Lorena, what I'm about gonna you? Say, I'm going to say that my gloves up moment is also this um, proposal of the theory that Marsha presents. I think we've had enough of weak Marsha, and when Marsha's strong, she is on it. She is Both on that her theory, game. that theory in the bar, and the theory before where she's being a little sassy and sarcastic about the possible drug dealer murder. I, she's just dishing out the theories. When you break down these theories fact by fact, and you look at them on paper, they don't make any sense. None at and all. And that's what this show needed. What about your uh, gloves down moment? My gloves down moment. Um, I liked having the ensemble. I think it's just going to be that Kato Kalen. I'm just like, every time that I know about someone and I'm not seeing them, I'm wondering what's going to happen with them. I think it happened earlier in the season with Faye Resnick, and she was great. But now that we're here, and like you said, 
I thought the gloves would be a more climactic towards the end moment. What's next? It wasn't really a gloves down moment, I guess. And just, you know, I want more out of the show. Yeah. Now, for me, I think my gloves down moment would be that hallway scene between Marsha and Darden. Not because I wanted them to do anything at all, but just because it was so heartbreaking. Like, it's a gloves down moment for me because I really felt for that moment. And I really wanted it to go a different route. I wanted it to have a happier ending, which I know it's not going to. But I I couldn't help but feel for these characters, you know? I think it was a gloves down moment because it was just so damn uncomfortable. (laughs) I really closed my eyes during it. I wanted them to do it. Alright, that about wraps it up for this week's episode of What the Dog Saw, a podcast devoted entirely to watching and commenting on American crime story The People vs. O.J. Simpson. This was episode 7, Conspiracy Theories, and like we said, we have three more episodes of just non-stop fun coming our way, if that's what you want to call it. Be sure to like our podcast wherever you watch it. Uh, Be sure to rate, comment, subscribe to all those great things. It really does help us out. Once again, I'm Neil McNeil. And I'm Lorena Mora. And that's what the dog saw. (coughs) 